Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you with West Yorkshire Electrical. And Michael's going to say some words now about West Yorkshire Electrical, aren't you? Yep, they do um, stuff with wires, don't they? Uh-huh. Wires, renewables, roofing. They do that too. That's not electrical. Not traditionally noted as an electrical service, but because they're doing so much stuff up on roofs, i.e. solar panels, mm-hmm. specialists in renewables, as you mentioned. Got some roofers on board, haven't they? They have. Part so. of the company, so yeah. They'll sort your roof out. CCTV, fire alarms, all that sort of stuff as well. Lights. Lights. Camera. Good one. Action. Phil Hay. Yes. Seamlessly brought you in there. Beautiful. Well, this is the view from the press box. What was it like in the in the press conference after the Rotherham game, 3-0 against them lot? You spoke to, to Farker. What was the general mood like? The most interesting bit of it was with Rotherham's manager, Liam Richardson, because he did that great thing that managers do quite often where they say, I'm not going to make an issue of this, but... And then went on to basically call Patrick Bamford the cheat and to have a go at the one of the assistants who was, uh, I didn't see this, but uh, Richardson had spotted that she was having a, a bit of a joke and a laugh with Bamford after the game, which he described as unprofessional, given that, in his words, Bamford had cheated the officials out of a, a decision. Are people not allowed it, it to was, just find joy in their work, Phil? Well, this is it. I mean, it, it wasn't quite on the level of Chris Wilder having a pop at somebody for eating after a game which had probably left them fairly ravenous, but he was a little bit miffed by that. Having said that, that's not to pretend that Richardson was in any way trying to suggest that Rotherham weren't completely outplayed or that it wasn't um, Legion United's day, which it definitely was. As for Farker, he was very much as you would expect. There was a little bit of a nibble again at Leeds finishing because it could have been seven or eight. And I think I think the thing for Farker is that he knows that if they have days where they aren't taking chances, he knows they're not a bad attacking team in any, in any way. In fact, they're a very, very good attacking team and they were again today. But he knows that there might come a day or an evening where they're 1-0 ahead, they've wasted chances they've dominated the game they should have won they haven't put it to bed and they get stung in the way that that happens from time to time and and you can tell that that's what he's saying he doesn't have any fundamental issues per se with what they're doing up front and they are scoring a lot of goals but even that was quite a a hard sell to us really they were they were so dominant today they bossed it from the start a massive gap massive gulf between the two sides which I think is totally reflected in the league table as well and Rotherham just offered nothing um, right the way through I know there were a few chances towards the end at at 3-0 down but he's a pretty happy man, and he should be. Six league wins on, on the spin, which is um, not to be sniffed at. Yeah, we are recording this on Saturday evening ahead of uh, 
its release on on Monday morning. So um, yeah, we 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 were sort of said on the match ball, which you can find in your feed, by the way, video and, and audio. Leeds cruise control, really, yeah. wasn't it? It's, it's probably the least um, what's the word? Least uh, emotional or erratic I felt about a Leeds game probably all season. There was zero zero jeopardy in that game at any point. I think the Somerville penalty probably told the story, which was just that Leeds, Leeds have not been great with penalties this season, have they? And there has been this constant underlying theme of who's taking it. They're very much into the routine now of somebody picking the ball up, i.e. Bamford today, making it look a little bit as if they're going to take it. Although I do think that the entire game is kind of getting wise to that tactic now. And it's not as if Leeds are the only side who do it. And it's, it's pretty widespread. But then handing the ball off to somebody else who ideally sinks it but you know that there have been misses this season um, and not just from Bamford but that penalty I think told you the, the way some of them took it it was, it was it was brilliant I thought I mean Farker said to us afterwards he's very old fashioned he'd much rather that they were going for the corners it's not really his cup of tea but it was it was a lovely moment and I just think it told it was, you it was the, there was no the pressure of was there this generation is what this really generation. took yeah. fantastic and I mean he's only in his bloody, 40s as Farker isn't he? It's, not as, it's not as if he's um, Roy Hodgson age at all but he speaks from time to time, doesn't he, about you know this group in the dressing room of Somerville and Nonto and Ruter and others who are all obviously really exuberant, full of life and, and everything else. Unbearable. Um, and I think they're making him feel... Yeah, unbearable is probably the word, if we're being honest, yeah. Um, and I don't think, again, across football, I don't think that applies only to them. I mean, Farker's a couple of years older than me, so I, can't, I fully buy into it. I get it. You leaked that penalty, no? I, I loved it, but I, I also thought, actually, in, in the aftermath of it, I thought, Bet Farker didn't fully enjoy that. He'll have to. He'll have to say something about it. About you've kind of because it it demonstrates a cockiness that he kind of picked up um, in Georgie and Yoruta earlier in the season about making sure you don't take the piss out of your opponents. I the, the, is, is it, about, the, is it the, about keeping feet on the ground? There definitely is an element of that, but I just thought it was an absolutely quality penalty. To be quite honest, it's not as if you're being nonchalant or overconfident by just sort of tamely trying to roll it in. You know, it was the sort of finish that unless the keeper stands on his line and they still really do that. I always remember Silvestri saving from Alex Pritchard, I think, in a, a cup game against Norwich where he'd studied Pritchard and he'd seen that Pritchard always went down the middle. So he held his nerve and he stood there and, and Pritchard did exactly the same and he saved it. But keepers tend to go one way or the other, don't they? Um, they tend to try and guess. I just thought it was a, a really good finish. He's having a massive season, Somerville. I was asking Farker afterwards whether he saw this coming and whether he thought he was going to get this from him in, in the summer. Um, and he said, he said he hoped that there was some of this in him. Um, although looking at some of those kind of prior record, he didn't think that it, he stood out as somebody who was likely to, you know, have a massive out, um, output of goals and assists. But he couldn't have guaranteed it. Um, but he was talking about some of those, to use his word, saying he's very, very relentless in training when it came to working on his positioning and um, you know his, his attacking play. And I mean, he just keeps doing it and doing it. And I know he missed that chance in the first half that you'd expect him to. To finish, um, I wonder if he just had a bit too much time to think about it. But when he goes in behind, usually onto a pass from Ruta, two of them just connect so well. There's just total confidence, isn't there, that he's going to score from yeah. the crowd and yeah. from him as well. Everybody expects it. He's now looking like the play we saw in the under-23s where he seemed to be far better than everyone and would score seemingly every game. And you, you thought, well, he's got to play for the first team because he's, he's clearly far too good for this level. And he feels like he's doing that now in the first team. So... Whether or not he can do it in the Premier League when we get there, which we will, Phil? Uh, yes, um, I think he can. I think he, if you were asking me to, to draw a line between the players that I would sort of super confident would be okay or very good in the Premier League and those that you're not so sure about, he'd be on the side of the line, which is saying, yeah, he'll, he'll be fine 
at that level and also I think of interest to, to plenty of clubs. But Fark is in this great position at the moment of really having to decide who to leave out of the team rather than who to include. In almost every position, there are ways in which he could change it and he could mix it up. And there are very good players who aren't in the team and, and aren't getting a run. But it is, I think, picking itself at the moment. And I know there was the, the you know, there were no friends won by Bamford and Rotherham um, today, naturally. <laughs> um, but again, you know, six wins since he came back into the team I don't think that's coincidence. I don't think it's purely down to him, but I think it has definitely been the right change at the right time. And it was at a point where Farker needed a change because I remember sitting in that press conference after West Brom and you could just tell that for the first time, Farker could sense that there was a bit of incoming fire from the crowd, obviously, but also from some of the questions that we were we were asking. There was just that little bit of pressure because of the gap that was in front of Leeds to, to second place. But they were very, very close to going second for the first time this season at the end of a match weekend, you know, um, Southampton dug it out against Huddersfield in the end. You almost called that, actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. there were points in that second half. In fact, I kept messaging with you like, come on Huddersfield, good on Huddersfield, oh bastards, things like that. But uh, it, it swung back and forth. But it shows they can be got at and hopefully as they start to face more difficult opponents in the running, that will be uh, be brought to bear. Just on the, the stats for Somerville, 21 goals and assists, so goal contributions this season out of the 55 that we've scored. So he's involved in 38% of everything that we do in terms of goals. Yeah, and he, and he's way ahead of his, his XG. Rutter is still the one who's who's trailing behind his. And I think where the, the definite margin for improvement is when it comes to finishing. And, and this, is, this is not to criticise Rutter because he's clearly so critical to the way Leeds play and really creative in his own right. Um, but the finishing hasn't quite been there for him. But some of it was, there have been a few players, I think, Farker, when it comes to man management and, you know, maximising what you can get from players, I think he's done it well with quite a few. Somerville, obviously, Dan James, another. I do think we're seeing it with Bamford as well. You know, it's it's not as if it's not as if the goals are flying at, are flowing at a, a massive rate for Bamford, but he has been scoring a few. He sort of quietly went past 50 league goals for the club last month, which didn't get a huge amount of attention. But we've written about him. Um, we decided to for, for this game. And I just think more and more looking at Bamford, particularly after, you know, what was the what he was talking about on his BBC podcast earlier this week that we touched on in the last body. It just seems to me that he's £7 million and it's been £7 million well spent, hasn't it? When you think about it, you know, it's, he's kind of heading for a second promotion with the club, potentially. Um, it's it's going to be close. And OK, there's relegation in between and you cannot ignore that. But, you know, the season that went well for Leeds in the Premier League, he was the player that was scoring goals. You know, he was the, the top scorer up front. I just think they, they have had the money's worth from him and it'll always be kind of they always feel kind of peculiar to me this weird relationship between him and the support you know how it's always sort of ebbed and flowed and it seems like this endless story that just twists constantly with good periods and bad periods but I think if Leeds do go up this season they'll look at January you know this period of what five wins from five games so 15 points from that and then another three today it'll feel like I think the period where they started to turn the dial a bit and right time to do it as well. Yeah. I think the, the relationship, do you agree, between the fans and Bamford has reached a degree of like maturation. It's matured. There's a certain degree of understanding about, we uh, We might know what your limitations are. That's fine. But what you're providing for us at this level now is more than enough. And the effect of him coming back into the team since he's returned from injury is noticeable. So maybe we've got a greater appreciation of that as well. It's hard because he's just 
scored a load of goals, hasn't he, this year? <laughs> it's, I feel it's like a if, good way of putting I it. I feel like yeah. if we were discussing this two months ago, we're probably having a different conversation about it. But where... he's come in and done his job well and effectively, he and, and he's made a, a demonstrable difference, and he's allowed Ruta to come back into number 10, which is what people were crying out for. As you said, Phil, the structure of the team now makes more sense to the eye. There's, a, there's another big difference with him, though, and probably the main difference, which is that he's fit. And I was looking back to the last time he'd started six league games in a row. Um, I don't mean he'd started six league games in a row, but he'd started all of the six games um, start to finish. And it was 2020, 2021, the back end of, of that season. He did start some the following season as well, but obviously it crosses over the summer. You know, that's a long time ago now. And I do think that if... It, it, finishing has always been an issue for him. That's always been the stick that, that's been used to, to beat him with. And, and Bielsa never minded about that because he liked what Bamford did as a number nine. And actually, it was interesting listening to Farker today talking about Bamford and saying the same. You know, he's the trigger for a press. He, he does X, he does Y. He does score goals, but, you know, it's not all about that. And, and he is kind of important in that role. And I think... If you are missing chances, and obviously, latterly, the penalties have been a problem as well in terms of his reputation and his kind of stock with the crowd. If you're barely fit or you're not fit often enough to play and you're missing chances, then what chance do your reputation have? It's going to take a, a hit, isn't it? But I think now that he is fit and now that he is able to to get through games, he's making a difference and he's become an asset. And I think what went on at the end of last season, you could easily have seen that developing into a situation where Bamford said, look, I feel like I've got to go. You know, I need to leave. I think Leeds will be pretty happy that he didn't because he is proven to be an asset again. And if they do go up, he'll, he'll have played a part in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, him being here still and him being our number nine, if if and when we go up, is a different question. But it's it's one to worry about when we get there, isn't it? It's not something we should be saying now. He's not, well, he's not going to be good enough for the Premier League this time around. Out of interest, do you think he touched the ball? I assume he must have done on the basis of his reaction. Yes. Um, and yeah, it, was, yeah, it was almost sort of... I know it's a bit bad form to say this, but it was almost wonderfully brash the way in which that was the most deliberate handball you're going to see in quite a while. There was no doubt at all he was flicking his elbow at it and sort of took it quite happily. But we watched several replays in the, the press room afterwards. Wasn't that easy to tell whether he actually got anything on it? I yeah, Mo- Moscow was saying on the match ball that like the, the stanchion from the opposite corner of the goal was blocking the view to it from behind the net. Uh-huh. So you couldn't really make out whether he'd done it or not. There was so, anything on it. So we were yeah. happy to keep an open mind on it. Yes, him. yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> but, uh, but on uh, you know, as an aside to that, I think it was going in anyway. Mm. I don't think the ball wasn't going in. He's just flicked his, his elbow at it. But he said he touched it. He told the referee that he touched it. It should have been disallowed. The referee said to Richardson, I think Richardson said he'd asked him at half time, and the referee had said, I wasn't sure if it was handball and I didn't want to guess. Therefore, I gave it. Right. I thought it was quite telling that they didn't show a replay on the big screen. <laughs> Because right. they always show replays of the goals. Yeah. And clearly someone in charge of the video desk took a second look at it and went, but, yeah, let's not show that one. He Just did, in case he, the ref's watching. Yeah, he did celebrate with what was sort of loosely like the people's elbow and wrestling aficionados will get in touch to say... That's easy it wasn't for you to the, say. Yeah, sorry, I can't say that word, can I? <laughs> aficionados. Um, we'll say that um, that is not the people's elbow and it's um, something else. But the fact that he was celebrating like that did make you think he must have got... Yeah. I mean, even it, just the brush of a sleeve. VAR disallows it. And obviously we don't want VAR back. VAR would have disallowed it. It would have been the right decision. Would it, VAR have disallowed it? Yeah, could, probably. Could, v, could VAR have said conclusively that that hit his arm? 
but they'd, have had, they'd have had more cameras. Yeah, it takes a, a bit three hours. Though, but yeah. either way, we, we were saying on the match ball, it didn't really have a bearing on the outcome, was did it? was very much Farkas point afterwards. He and said and he even won that game anyway. Even, what's his name? Is it Richardson? Yes. Yeah, even he made that point, didn't he? What's his name? <laughs> I don't concern myself That's with him. Yes. Ron, Ronnie Moore or whoever's in charge. I don't concern myself with EFL matters, Phil. I saw him before the game, Ronnie Moore. He was in the car park um, yeah. before the game. Um, but yeah, no, Richardson was not trying to pretend that in any way it was a robbery of a game. You know, he, he knew Rotherham had been well beaten. But yeah, on, on Bamford, it feels like this little run of games has been in some ways the key players are people who were not involved, involved at all at the start of the season in that yeah, you've got Furpo and Gruev and Bamford and they've got, and it, also it's a big well seven eight days for Nonto as well because I thought he was decent again today didn't yeah. didn't score was a bit frustrated at times but is making life difficult for people where it felt earlier in the season he was when you were seeing him you just thought well what what are you here for you know he, he wasn't actually troubling anyone whereas mm. he's you know he's had a very good week this is what I was saying about deciding who to leave out it's, it's really difficult at the moment you were asking whether or not you thought uh, Roberts might play today. I thought it would be great, but I said maybe Roberts at Swansea um, on Tuesday night and possibly that might be the, the change. You know? Well, you've been minded but, maybe to keep it as as is and then he's got, you've got him there as a sub, haven't you? Yeah, it's a tough toss-up, isn't it? Because there's not really any justification for changing it at all. Yeah, like um, you say, maybe you see Greg going into midfield, which is the thought that I had on the previous show where, where I mentioned it. Like He, he seems loath to drop Archie Gray even though you don't want to burn him out um, that um, that Kamara moment was fun didn't you think with Melly where oh, we forgot to mention that on the match ball actually that yeah. back pass oh god yeah, yeah it was the far <laughs> end it was, the far end. it was right at the what start of the second half wasn't it and I think we kind of the little patch of us in the east and we all kind of looked around at each other and went did you see that? You know, people were still returning to their seats. And I was like, yeah, it was a bit wild, wasn't it? it was, I mean, obviously, you, you know you're alive. <laughs> obviously, it wasn't deliberate, but it was as if he was he was trying to put Millie in trouble, you know, saying, catch this if you can. It was um, <laughs> it was like it, it, excessively overhit um, in a weird position where Leeds weren't really under any pressure. But that was, I mean, it wouldn't be fair to say that was as close as Rotherham came because actually there were a couple of really good saves from Millie towards the end. But there those saves that even if they're really good, when you 3-0 up, Nobody even bothers applauding, do they? Just go, ah, well. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
And let's try and pick, if we may, or we can, and we are well ahead of any uh, press conference pre-Swansea, uh, what, what team do you reckon gets put out? Is it unchanged? It's, it's, ha- it's hard to make an argument for changing it when you've won so comprehensively and, and at a counter. And a lot of the players have had a decent bit of rest as well. Yeah, he started making the changes earlier, didn't he? He did. They've got, this is obviously Plymouth isn't because it's Nelly kickoff, but this turn, turn around Saturday to Tuesday is nothing particularly out of the ordinary. If everybody's fit and everybody seemed to be okay, I can only really see, and I suppose it depends a little bit on where, I mean, even if Dan James is back, I don't think there's any chance of him starting. The only change I can see, I would say, is Robertson for Gray. And I, I can't even think of a way to explain why I would do that particularly. Apart from the fact that Roberts is really very good and it might give Gray a bit of a rest, it might be a, a sort of freshen up, but Gray isn't even looking like he needs a rest especially. So maybe it will be unchanged. Yeah, maybe so. Pancake day as well, Shrove Tuesday. Well, there you go. Big day, isn't it? <laughs> oh, is that, is so, that a makes you think but moment? I've been looking forward to it for, for months now. <laughs> yeah. Pancake topping favourite? I'd quite just favour a bit of sugar and lemon. Yeah, mm. I used to do sugar, lemon and... Um, golden syrup Golden now. syrup, yeah. Right. Very, yeah. Good, very good. And then yeah. Valentine's Day on Wednesday, of course. Big day. Yeah. Big day. Hopefully, to that hopefully we'll, well. we'll yeah. come back and our hearts will be full of joy from winning at, at Swansea mm. um, again do we need to win this on Tuesday yep yeah uh, is it, is it going to be the same for every single game It does. it's just so tight at the top isn't it that's the they problem need to, they need to set themselves up for this game against Leicester at Elland Road um, that's, that could be a massive tipping point That I, I just think if if they get through Swansea and Plymouth do what they have to do and well then to beat Leicester at Elland Road I think it's a, a massive signal sent south and the fact is until Southampton start backing off and they came very, very close to, to dropping points today. But until they do, Leeds are still Leeds are still chasing. Yeah. So who have we got then um, midweek as we travel to Swansea? I'm just having a look. We have uh, Birmingham, Blackburn, Leicester, Sheffield Wednesday. You're going to expect it. That's going to be a home win, isn't it? Uh, Norwich, Watford, Rotherham, Hull, Swansea, Leeds, obviously. Bristol City against Southampton is a, a potential there, you think, given that Southampton have shown a little bit of weakness? Only if Bristol City are more in the game than they were against Leeds. Mm. Mm. Well, well I guess we'll find out what they're made of in comparison you know, versus, of course yeah they're finished club yeah, finished. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. West Brom Cardiff is the other game on Ipswich there. are clinging to the playoff places as yeah. far as I'm concerned now I'll be so in as they club. are I was going to um, describe Taylor Swift on Twitter as a finished global superstar. Were you, are you, tra- were you think, trying to hoover up? Because um, you, um, you tagged Swift in that and I know the Swifties are all it was, over that it was, shit. A, it was a bit of an experiment to see whether people would actually start the onslaught and Did you not get like 50 blue ticks just replying straight afterwards? Saying, I haven't looked actually. Because that's, that's what happens but now. You I get was, absolutely hammered by spam bots, don't you? Brilliant. Yeah, no, I was, I was, it was like a sort of social experiment to see whether people did wade into potentially the person on the planet who's least interested or bothered about Taylor Swift or any of that. What's your, uh, your favourite Taylor Swift song? Um, the last one that she released. <laughs> Did you like that one? <laughs> Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, Huddersfield, Sunderland on Wednesday, just jumping ahead another 24 hours. Plymouth against Coventry, Preston against Middlesbrough, Stoke QPR, Millwall against Ipswich. Mm. I mean, we went to Millwall and comprehensively took them apart. I wonder could they uh, maybe rough those boys up a little bit with uh, with Ipswich wobbling ever they, so slightly. They need now. a win, Ipswich, don't they? Again, I find myself saying this every week, but that was a difficult fixture for them today but they're not really edging any of these are they I know they they, they managed to managed to beat Sunderland which was felt like a, a pretty key result for them at the time but although they've taken points from Leicester and obviously got that late equaliser today it's kind of not enough when Leeds and Southampton are going in the way that they are Have you started to enjoy this season? 
Have you not, enjoy, have you not enjoyed it to this point? I have actually. I've, I've I've taken the decision. It's been an active decision to try and embrace it more this season. I know there's a lot at stake, and it'll be shit if we don't go up. It'll be horrible if we blow it in the playoffs. It'll be horrible watching players that I like watching leave. But I'm trying to park all that and just say, look, that's a, that's a concern for a few months' time. We'll see, you know, where we are in the shakedown towards the end of end of the season. For now, I'm just enjoying us being one of the best teams in the division that we're in. I mean, I do really feel we are good enough to go up, and I feel like if we're in the playoffs, we should probably be favourites for the playoffs, even if we don't manage to get second. Because mm. the, I mean, Ipswich had obviously the unbelievable start from the bits we've seen of them. They haven't been particularly good. I know they must have been better against other teams, but I would have no real fear of facing them in the playoffs, I have to say. Southampton, I don't know. It was that weird It was that weird game, wasn't it, the away one there, where Cooper was in the team. It was, I don't know, it felt like it was not a settled... And Rodon wasn't. It didn't feel like it was a settled Leeds team at that stage. I feel like when we see them again, we'll know a bit more, but that is the last game of the season. <laughs> so... They're the, but they're the team to fear, aren't they, it seems, at the moment? The, the only thing I've got against this season is that sometimes the disparity is so wide, like today, that it's not much of a spectacle. You don't learn it, anything and, from it, do you? No, and, and I think we, we're seeing, particularly at Ellen Road, the same approach over and over again from visiting teams. And granted, a different approach would probably not make any difference because Leeds are so good and Leeds are always going to dominate. But it, it does feel a little bit like repeating the, the same you know, the same kind of flawed strategy. I, I don't think Leeds will be far off being unbeaten at home this season. I don't know if they'll go unbeaten. But at this rate, aside from your really, really top teams, i.e. Leicester and South, Southampton, it's really hard to see who comes to Ellen Road and, and wins because everybody seems to be playing in, in the same way, essentially tucking in, hoping for the best and, and trying to, to nick something. But very few are actually coming close to, to doing that. Um, and the reason for that is because Farca does have Somerville and he's got Ruta and he's got Bamford playing well and he's got James who's chipping in with a lot of goals but then he's got the bench to use as well and and virtually every manager afterwards is saying to us they are very, very, very good. Very good but they also have an extremely strong squad which they do. I mean I saw this going on on Twitter yesterday I think where somebody was discussing and I can hardly see the point in this really but is Farkas football better than Bielsa's? Personally, I don't think it is, but it's not a slight on Farkas. I think this is a really, really good Leeds team. But what I would say is that I think this squad is considerably stronger pound for pound in the division than Bielsa's was. Yeah, Bielsa's football was exciting and swashbuckling and, and almost reckless in its attacking abandon, wasn't it? Whereas yeah. Farkas is a little bit more pragmatic. He, um, he had to make... But maybe it's more effective in some circumstances. Well, well maybe. Mind. I mean, he, he had to make a lot of players who, before the ball was kicked in that first season, I'm not convinced that many other top championship or clubs who consider themselves to be contenders for the title or promotion would have been all over whereas now if you offered out this lead squad every single manager in the division would take somebody from it mm. we were just saying actually weren't we between recording our podcast about Pirro saying he's not actually played well for a while but he'll probably get 10 goals this season and it's almost the luxury you get of coming down from the Premier League that you have the money to spend and if he gets five more goals than you would have got from Joe Gelhart or Tyler Roberts or someone like that who would be your other bench options and it gets you up. It's it's yeah, ultimately I, it's ultimately a way of just brute force getting your way out of this division, isn't it? I think I'm right in saying he's already got ten goals this season, Peru. And the other thing about him is that he is the sort of player who, in the playoffs or in desperate circumstances where you need a goal and you've got to score, he's somebody who might actually serve it up for you. You know, mm. as opposed to what we we were seeing. I mean, you'll remember the playoff defeat to Derby, Izzy Brown coming on at the end and having that free kick. And if if that free kick had gone in. 
it would have been great story. You know, it would have been absolutely perfect to, to have written about As that. As the kids would um, say, you clutched it. That's what the kids would say. Is that what they say? Yep. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to look that up later. All right, um, Daniel Farker yeah, over yeah, there. This is it. Um, but that felt like an incredibly long shot, that, didn't it? Izzy Brown in his, you know, in all a, hail, the, a Hail Mary. It, yeah, in mm. all of the 30 minutes or whatever that he'd had on the pitch across the entire season, had that free kick and injury time to, to keep Leeds in it. And this is different. You know, if you, were, if you had Pirro coming off the bench and he needed a goal, you would say to yourself, and I agree, I don't think he's been wildly effective recently, which is why Bamford's come into the team. But you would think to yourself, well, there probably is a goal in there somewhere. And if yeah. you get promoted, that in itself is worth the money. Yeah, let's do that then, shall we? It's Super Bowl weekend. This will be coming out after the Super Bowl, recorded ahead of it. So uh, if you are a 49ers fan, uh, I'm delighted for you. Or oh, sorry that happened, whichever way that one are they in it, are unfolded. They? Yeah, they're in, they are in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. What's your favourite Super Bowl game film? Is it what of all time? Is yeah. it is it the last one again, like the Taylor Swift? <laughs> um, I'll go. I'll go for the time Dan Marino won it. Ah, oh, very good. I yeah. don't know if he did because I don't think the Dolphins. Oh, that'd be good. When it's something they'll be on to us soon. Let me have a look. Let's find even out. better way of exposing my lack of knowledge about that. Yeah, let me have a look. Dan Marino, <laughs> American football player. I did actually watch a few years back the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Patriots in what I thought was a very good Super Bowl, personally. I don't think that was, opinion what, counts for much. But, what, was, what was good about it? Um, there was one particularly impressive touchdown where I was quite impressed by the um, the playbook they must have used mm. for it, you know. Well, let me tell you, in Super Bowl XIX, 19? Uh, Marino, numbers, grow up. Marino, Marino and the Dolphins faced off against the San Francisco 49ers oh, and Joe Montana go. in Palo Alto, California, and basically Dolphins lost in Marino's only Super Bowl appearance. So there you go. Our overlords destroyed Dan Marino's... Was I even alive, having said that I sat and watched that? What year was that? It was in it. It was X on X, I just told you. Mm. Yeah, it was a good year. 1985. Yeah, that was four. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that's our, is that our gridiron chat done for the, uh, <laughs> for yeah. the day. Super. Probably for the, the year, I would say. Well, yeah, it's not back for another few months, is it now? So we've, we've, know, we've really yeah. gone, gone in Super Bowl on the, on the peak. Yeah. So... Uh, well done, lads. My only memory of Dan Marino as well is that bit from Ace Ventura where somebody says, I hope he dies from syphilis, <laughs> which I thought was always pretty harsh, really. Cheers, Phil. And we'll, actually, uh, and actually, <laughs> we'll actually pick that quite, one up on Thursday. Actually, quite a, quite a brave joke for a PG. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, absolutely. So, uh, on, to, on to Swansea, are you actually turning up for this one? I know you, you, I think I might you, do. you bailed yeah. out on Plymouth. Yeah, I think I might do, particularly if the boiler's still broken. Cold house. Probably get cold at Swansea, really. <laughs> Peter on in the car. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, we will speak later in the week after that game, find out how we got on and more we'll preview. Who have we got next weekend? Plymouth. Plymouth again? Yeah. Are we having to play them again? Yeah. It's outrageous, isn't it? We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.